You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a championship football Friday here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Friday to you. How are you, sir? Doing all right. What's up with you? Oh, uh, you know, just, just rocking the just fresh, rocking some new threads. Just rocking the fresh kit. Because you know that's what that's what they call it in soccer. It's, it's a kit. They also call it boots. The boots in, instead of cleats. Yeah, it, it's it's the boots. Got to get me a new pair of boots. So, obviously, we're going to talk about the World Cup. Uh, the United States playing the Netherlands at nine a.m. tomorrow morning. We will also talk about the loaded slate of college football conference championship games, and we'll preview some NFL action as well on today's show. 337-706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Yesterday, we we had a, a great poll question. You know, let's go back and wrap up with some of the answers we missed favorite sitcom of all time james the poll question on twitter actually tied the results tied uh 29.4 had seinfeld as well as other 24 percent had friends and 16 percent had the big bang theory uh hannah five names said fresh prince Tim Gaber said The Office. Michael Scott is the worst and funniest character ever. Uh, Tiger Bait said The Office is so good it holds spots one through five. Uh, somebody said Home Improvement, which is a great one if you've never seen it. Tim Allen, absolutely hilarious. Uh, he hosts a Home Improvement TV show, and it's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Frasier, Cheers, that 70s show. All in the Family was an interesting one that I thought. Um, you know, obviously that w- that was a great conversation. We got eighty five votes on that poll question yesterday. So so kudos, kudos to you, the listener. Uh, we really appreciate that. So one thing I, I want to get into, James, and we'll start by by doing this. Let's pre let's recap the Thursday night game from last night. It's plain and simple, really. Josh Allen owns the Patriots. He owns them. He is Bill Belichick's daddy. It's it's just, I mean, I, I don't believe, you know, and you look at his stat line, 22 of 33, 223 yards and two touchdowns. It's not. It's not world beater numbers. But, right. But he, he does enough to absolutely make sure that they are ahead in Make sure that there is no comeback from New England, because even even if New England wants to, it's not like they could. Matt Patricia, who is a 
former defensive coordinator could come up with a good enough game plan to score points for offense. And it's crazy because we, you know, we call him the the Patriots' daddy. He's only he's four and four against them. So like he's got a five hundred record against the Patriots. But here's the thing: it's been most of his all of his wins have come recently because his first couple of years, yeah, he they won. weren't they weren't getting wins, but. He, yeah. The only time he's lost in the last couple of years was that absolute crazy weather game last where, December. Yeah, where uh, they were basically playing in a blizzard, and wind was at 500 miles an hour. Since 2020, he's four and one against the Patriots. He lost his first three games against the Patriots, and then he's four and one since then. And then also beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, so I mean, the guys, the guys, just different. And uh, he, he owns the Patriots. What can I say? The Bills taking down New England 24-10 to last night. Again, James Cook having another big performance. 14 carries for 64 yards. Stephon Diggs had a big game as well. You know, this was just one of those wins for the Bills where nothing about it was pretty, but they just found a way to get it done. And, and sometimes, especially when you go to an environment like New England, where it was freezing cold and it had snowed during the day. It just has to, you just got to figure it out. And that's exactly what they did. So kudos to Sean McDermott and his staff, as well as Josh Allen. The other thing I I wanted to touch on here in this first segment, did you see the the Drew Brees commercial? Did Did you see that mayhem this morning? I did. I didn't find out about it initially, but once I saw it, I was like, "Really?" So I woke up because I got because I woke up getting texts of, "Oh, Drew Brees just got struck by right. lightning." And I'm right. like, "What? What are you talking about?" I, I woke up and I'm half asleep, scrolling through Twitter because I'm, I'm so ingrained to go to Twitter. Literally, the first thing I do in the mornings, I pull up Twitter. Um, and so I'm half asleep, scrolling through Twitter, and I see Drew Brees struck lightning. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> it's like, I'm so confused. So obviously I woke up pretty quickly because I was like, oh my God, Drew Brees got struck by lightning. Is, am I going to have to come on the air today and say Drew Brees died? Because that would be horrible, obviously. Um, and so I'm, I'm frantically, you know, just scrolling and trying to find anything and everything. And Nick Underhill comes out and says, guys, it's fake. It was a marketing ploy. Like, he didn't actually get struck by lightning. And so then everybody kind of settled down because, you know, Nick Underhill is just so in the know with with stuff like this. But, man, could you imagine going shoot a commercial for a sports betting app and actually getting struck by lightning? The company wouldn't have released the video. Well, it wasn't the company that posted the video. The guy that posted the original video was some, I don't even know who he is. But I don't think he's related to the company. Like, I think the video got leaked. I don't think the video was supposed to ever get out anyway. But then once it was out, I think the, the company decided that they were just going to make the most of it and you know try to run with it. Um, and so then they released a video of Drew sitting in the back of an ambulance with his arms bandaged up and he's got burn marks on his face. And his hair's frizzed up. And his hair's frizzed. And he's like, 
oh, well, you know, uh, talking about these lightning bets, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, got to go finish this commercial. Hope lightning doesn't strike twice. And then the second he hits the ground, he gets electrocuted again. It's like, come on. Don't. What, what, what are we what are we doing i just i i when i actually watched it, i was like this is a funny little gag i don't think this should mean any harm but apparently some people thought it was okay just atrocious cd we don't believe this is true right cd just texted me as staged as the moon landing we're we, not we're not getting into this we're, we're not getting into this there, there's anyways um how about this you ready for this one Deion Sanders, maybe going to Colorado. So the other day we talked about that it was potentially down to three schools: Colorado, Cincy, and, and USF. And USF. Well, apparently Colorado has offered Deion a contract, five million a year, to go coach at Colorado. I mean, that's got to be more than what he's making at Jackson State, but. I just don't understand, and obviously, you know, like I said the other day, I still believe that Dion would have success no matter where he goes. Colorado just feels like a dead end job to me. Now that they're in the Pac-12, that just feels like such a dead end, and because you know, you look at their record, they finished dead last in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, dead last. They were one and eleven. Last year, they were four and eight, so better, but still, you know, not great. Twenty twenty, you only played six games. And you went four and two in those games, including wins over UCLA and Stanford. And then, going back to twenty nineteen, you were five and seven. So I mean, they've had decent runs, but man, I just. With Utah, Washington, Oregon, USC, so on and so forth, I I just don't see how you could truly find you know like potential playoff success there or Pac-12 championship success even. And I don't think Dion's not going to leave unless his son kind of goes with him and Correct. just transfers and just goes to that school as well. Correct. Otherwise, he's just going to stay there because Shadur is only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, did you see that Under Armour is going to be selling authentic Shadur Sanders jerseys hmm. where a portion of the money would go to? To him for mm-hmm. like NIL. Right. It's an NIL deal where they're going to be selling authentic Jackson State jerseys and he'll get a portion of the cut. thought that was pretty cool. But... um. So yeah, I just uh, would I be surprised if Dion goes to Colorado? No, because technically it is a step up, but that just seems like a poor uh, to me at least. It seems like it's a poor move because if you can't win after three or four years, they're going to look to move on, and you're back at square one again. So I don't know. That just I would I would take a, a Cincinnati or, or a USF even before going to Colorado. But that's just me. Um, the transfer portal filling up very very quickly. Uh, the portal opens officially on Monday, and uh, 
players are putting their name in the transfer portal very quickly, including Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine, who led the Irish to an 8-2 and record this year, including wins over both teams in the ACC championship game in Clemson and North Carolina. Um, also, Deshaun Watson comes back this weekend. Tons of headlines to look to. We'll talk about the USA versus the Netherlands tomorrow morning. Later in the show, we've got audio from both Brian Kelly and Kirby Smart to get to. At 4.30, we, are, we will be joined by the voice of the Fighting Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair. And then at 5 o'clock, Jake Crane joins us for Jake's Takes. And of course, in the second hour, James and I will make our picks for this loaded down weekend of sports. But if you are needing to grab some Christmas gifts, look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Right now, score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you Pop Gourmet Popcorn, who has more than 40 flavors in Gourmet Popcorn, Mudcat Whiskers, where you can get your handcrafted beard grooming products, and Emmy's Ice Cream Bar, which offers up Supreme Ice Cream. Get an additional 50% off this week only. Just use the discount code DELTA50. That's DELTA50 to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. But you have to hurry because this offer ends tonight at midnight. So just visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll start previewing the SEC Championship game for today's show with audio from Brian Kelly and Kirby Smart right here on the game. 23-7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the SEC West champion LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 after the hour. So one more thing about the, the Drew Brees situation and then we'll we'll get to the audio. I find it funny. So the if you haven't seen it, the jersey that he was wearing is like black and red. So Drew posted on Twitter this morning. He said, "The Lightning must have thought I was wearing a Falcons jersey. That's why it tried to get me. I'm fine. Who dat?" That is that's good. By the way, there's a big wreck that's clogging up traffic on 92 in uh, East Broussard. Yeah, so avoid that area. Um, obviously, so you never you never want to sit in traffic. But uh, so unless you're into that kind of thing, then I guess yeah. Go I mean, ahead. Un- unless unless you enjoy, you know, just sitting there for hours on end listening to us. I mean, if that's if that's what you're into, then you know, by all means, go for it. Brian Kelly and Kirby Smart both met with their respective media outlets yesterday. And Brian Kelly said that his team is excited for this game and that they res- and they talk about the respect that they have for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Excited to be playing in the SEC championship game. Um, it has been um, quite a journey. I think this is a year since uh, my press conference here and um, really proud of our staff, you know, certainly our players uh, and everybody associated with LSU football and uh, the accomplishments that we've made here in a very short period of time. You know, you've got to win it on the field. Uh, our guys did a great job of um, playing their very best when their best was needed. And um, now we get an opportunity to uh, play the number one team in the country. 
and um, certainly uh, have a great deal of respect for you know Kirby and uh, what he's accomplished um, to do this um, you know back-to-back years is uh, a great accomplishment and you know obviously we have a great deal of uh, respect for uh, this football team that we're playing in Georgia, and uh, we're excited about the challenge. So, look forward to coming to Atlanta, um, being part of this championship, and uh, you know, playing our very f- best football. Brian Kelly was also asked during his time at Notre Dame when he made it to the ACC championship game, is there something he can apply from that experience to tomorrow's game? Not really that much. I mean, I, I think in terms of. You know, just balancing your schedule because you're, you know, you're losing opportunity um, relative to, you know, staying ahead of it and recruiting. I, I think it's just balancing your schedule more than anything else. The preparation is the same. There's no difference. Um, you know, we're preparing just as if this is, you know, a 13th game. Um, you know, obviously the best team in the country, but preparing it the same way Scott no change there but you have to adjust your schedule accordingly based upon not being able to do uh, recruiting lastly Brian Kelly was asked a question that a lot of people have been asking over the last coming couple of days is Jarek Bernard Converse and Josh Williams are they expected to play on Saturday yeah, I was really pleased with Josh yesterday. I think he looked like himself finally. You know, this is an injury that, uh, you know, takes some time because of the way he runs. He's such a physical runner and, um, you know, he plays so hard. Uh, his physical exertion and effort is is one where, you know, he's not a guy that's going to go at, you know, less than 100%. So I think yesterday was really the first time where I felt like, okay, we've got Josh back to where he needs to be to be, you know, confident and effective. Uh, and, and Derek was cleared through our uh, concussions protocol, and uh, he is, uh, you know, obviously going to play uh, an So both Bernard Converse and Josh Williams expected to play in Saturday's SEC championship game. Going to the other side now, Kirby Smart was asked by his media, you know, what stands out to you about LSU over the past couple of days? Yeah, they got a lot of talent, uh, a, a lot of really fast athletic players. When you look across the skill level of, of both sides of the ball for them, uh, they got great size and great speed. Um, they got one of the most physical offensive lines we've played. Um, they're, they're really, really talented in the red area defensive area and red area offense, which we worked on hard yesterday and then third down as well. They're, they're really uh, they do a great job offensively on third down because they, they, they don't get in very many third and long situations. People, it's been so long ago, people tend to forget Kirby Smart was an assistant at LSU for, for a period of time under Nick Saban. Uh, in, in that national championship season in 2003, Kirby was asked, you know, back then during your time in Baton Rouge, what did you aspire to become back when you were in Baton Rouge? Uh, that was uh, quite some time ago and um, was my first full time SEC job, I guess. I'd come off being a graduate assistant at Florida State and I'd been a, a full time assistant at Valdosta State previous to that. But um, it was my, my first time coaching in the SEC. Um, it was a really competitive environment, and it was um, the year following uh, their national championship there in 2003. So a lot of tough times and um, getting acclimated and um, a lot of expectations uh, after winning a national championship. And we had a lot of good players coming back. 
on that team. I think most of the defensive players were back off that national championship team. So it was a, it was an exciting year. I learned a lot of football uh, that season. But as far as aspiring to where I am now, there, there was not really thinking about that then. And then lastly, you know, looking at this game, Georgia obviously will probably be in the playoffs regardless of what happens in tomorrow's game. However, this is a team that still wants to win the SEC championship, considering Kirby only has one during his time at Georgia. The question becomes, how do you keep your guys from tiring out? This is the number one thing. It helps to have depth where you can play multiple players and not have a large drop-off. Um, but I don't think anybody in the country uh, would tell you they have enough defensive linemen. Uh, it's a rotational position. It, it requires extreme effort and strain. We sell conditioning all year. We condition multiple times a week, and uh, we, we tell our kids, if you want to be um, a really good football team, you got to be best conditioned. And best conditioned is not a word. It's a, a, it's a requirement and a strain that you have to put into practice. And we just hope that we've conditioned enough to, to be at our best in moments like uh, this Saturday. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card, and it's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout. Chris Blair, the voice of the Fighting Tigers, joins us next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez joined by the voice of the Fighting Tigers of LSU, Mr. Chris Blair, as he prepares to travel to Atlanta with the team for the SEC Championship game tomorrow. Chris, thanks for taking the time. How are you? No, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on once again. It is a, a big game, big weekend, and I think I've said this a thousand times this week. Who'd have thunk it? LSU playing for the SEC title uh, a mere two or three months ago. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's absolute. I've I've asked that same thing to to multiple people this week. It's just so incredible. Almost a year to the day since Brian Kelly was hired that the Tigers are in this position. It's been you know it's it's been interesting to watch. Been fun to watch as this. Not just this team in 2022, but as you alluded to, this program uh, get built back layer by layer by layer, um, and it's one of the things that I'll never forget. You know, Coach Kelly said it. It's it's not about wins and losses for he and his staff. It's about giving these players the habits, um, the the types of preparation, and and the tools. Um, to be their best every single day. And if all of that happens and falls into place, the results take care of themselves. And I know that sounds a little like uh, hyperbole when you're listening uh, to the SEC Media Day in July or maybe when he talks about it in preseason camp in August. But you can't argue with uh, you know what's been done this season and those results way ahead of schedule than what many people, including most Tiger fans, thought for 2022. 
Now, Chris, you know, LSU obviously looking to bounce back off of off of that loss to Texas A&M this past Saturday. From from your perspective, watching the game last weekend, preparing for Georgia, what's kind of the feel around the program heading into this game? I think they all realize, as we all did, watching whether you were there in Bryan College Station or watching on television, um, they they were lethargic. They didn't play with quite the energy, especially on the defensive side of the ball that we really have seen all season. Um, but it, it just it looked like they were in position. They had guys in the right place. Uh, there were missed tackles. We've seen that a few times this year. Um, and overall, it just wasn't the laser focus that we have seen uh, from this team. And I think that's the thing I've heard most this week is that you know, even the players admitting maybe they got caught up in the records for LSU and for Texas A&M, uh, that you could just roll the helmet out there and we'll be able to make plays. And even if we get behind early, uh, we'll be able to sustain, you know, their first initial hit and then we'll get back into it and, and pull it out like we've done so many times this year. And that just didn't happen. I mean, Texas A&M put it all together. You've got to tip your cap to, to Jimbo Fisher, who's had a horrible year. Uh, the team has been underperforming, but they put it all together for one game, and no surprise, we get, it was against LSU in the final game of the season. So, you know, they, the, what I've heard this week is we've got to get back to what has made us successful in our preparation and our focus. And, you know, you look back at that swing, the, the, the Florida, uh, Ole Miss, and Alabama uh, three-game set, I mean, that was, they were playing at, at their best, and they're going to need their best against Georgia because Georgia's the best team by far they're going to face all season. In all three phases of the game, uh, this team doesn't have a two-deep for the Bulldogs. they got a five-deep, uh, and they took nobody out of the transfer portal. This has all been developed under Kirby Smart uh, in his seventh season. So I think LSU understands that. And, you know, it's easy to sit back for all of us armchair quarterbacks, armchair coaches, to say that, well, the guys didn't take Texas A&M seriously enough, they weren't motivated enough, maybe that's true. But I don't think there's any doubt in the world that if that is the truth, they're not motivated and fired up to play Georgia because all you have to do is turn the film on and you realize that's why they're the reigning champion, that's why they're ranked number one, and that's why they're the favorite to win it again. Now, you know, you talked about Georgia, obviously defending national champs. They're 12-0 and on the season this year. You look at the numbers, Chris. I mean, they're averaging 38 points per game and they're only giving up 11. I mean, the most they've allowed for an opponent is 22 on two different occasions. I mean, just talk about the team that Kirby Smart has, led by Stetson Bennett, who is a quarterback that a lot of people doubted going into this season. Well, he's 26-3 and as a starter since taking over. And I know, you know, when he took over last year, there were a lot of people that said, oh, my goodness, how can this work? He, 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 he was a walk-on, then he went to junior college, now he's back, and... And then he led Georgia to uh, their greatest season since 1980. Um, he comes in this year, and there's still those people doubting. Well, he was a good game manager. Uh, can't make plays. He's got to rely on the people around him. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> he's still winning football games, and he's making plays. Um, now, he does have some great targets to throw to. It helps when, when you've got giants on the field like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, um, and you've got a talented receiver in Lad McConkey and a good running back in McIntosh, all of that helps, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think you, you can't sell short what Stetson Bennett has done. And it's a great college football story. Um, and as much as I'd love to beat Georgia, I do have to admit, uh, Stetson Bennett has, has outdone the doubters in his career at Georgia, and it's a good thing. 
because it didn't come right away, and he had to work at it. And sometimes I think um, there's not enough young people these days that want to do that. They want instant gratification right then and right there, and if it doesn't happen, they move on and go try to find it somewhere else. And Stetson stuck with it. Uh, and the defense is incredible. I mean, they're second in the country, as you pointed out, 11.3 points per game. Um, you know, they played not their best game against Kentucky on the road in Lexington, uh, where I grew up. And that time of the year and that temperature, it's miserable in Lexington. Georgia did not want to be there. And yet their defense gave up, you know, six points. Um, and they only scored 16. So they're a team that can win with defense. That's why, again, as I said earlier, LSU's got to play their best game. Everybody has to be laser-focused on their job, and they have to do it well because there's no, absolutely no room for error against this Bulldog team. Chat with Chris Blair, the voice of the Tigers. Now, I heard somebody say earlier this week that Jaden Daniels is going to play, but the way that it was worded was that he may not be able to Jaden like he normally Jadens. Where Where is Jaden Daniels at in, in terms of preparing for tomorrow's game? Well, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I talked to Coach Brian Kelly on Thursday, and he said Jaden had a great week of practice, that uh, being the low ankle sprain, which is really radically different from a high ankle sprain, um, that he was in the uh, training room for 10 hours a day uh, beginning Sunday and Monday to make sure he would be ready to go. And he said on Wednesday and on Thursday – that he looked like Jaden of old. So we'll have to wait and see. Again, we'll give the eye test come Saturday around 3 o'clock. But um, all indications are he's as close, if not 100%, going into this game, which, again, LSU's going to need. And then uh, another player that LSU's going to need against the Bulldogs tomorrow, because one thing we, we talked about with their defense, their running game is, I mean, their running defense is, is incredible. They're going to need Josh Williams tomorrow. What's the what's the latest on the former walk-on running back? Yeah, he's good to go. Also had a good week of practice, and that's a great sign. I mean, everybody was waiting with bated breath about Jaden Daniels' uh, condition, but I've been more concerned, truthfully, about Josh Williams over the last two games. You know, his last play was against Arkansas. Um, so I was excited to hear that Josh is back, should be good to go, and not only because Josh is – really come into his own. He's another great college football story, by the way. Um, and he's you know got two 100-yard rushing games this season. Uh, Florida, uh, which was his first 100-rushing-yard game on the road in the swamp, and then came back with a great performance uh, against Arkansas for a new career high of 118 yards. Not only because of what he can do individually, but I think it's going to be key for LSU to be able to use Noah Kane. John Emery Jr. and Josh Williams. You know, you've had Kane and Emery the last two games, and I think they both have ran well. I mean, obviously Kane had three touchdowns against UAB. Emery had three touchdowns in the loss to Texas A&M. So just getting Josh back for what he can do as an individual player, but also allow to keep semi-fresh legs against that vaunted Georgia defense against the run, I think helps uh, LSU tremendously. All right, Chris, since 2000, LSU and Georgia have played each other 10 times. Four times have been in the SEC championship game, and LSU holds a 3-1 and record against the Bulldogs. Now, I know history has nothing to do with what happens on the field. However, looking at the past, you got to feel pretty good about this game. Yeah, I think you do feel pretty good. I, I think when you look at LSU when they played at their best this season, they can match with Georgia. Can they do it for four quarters? Can they handle the depth and just the wave and wave and wave of players that Georgia has the ability to, to rotate in, especially up front? 
Um, that's, to me, the, the biggest question mark for Saturday's game. But LSU's got a lot of pride. Um, you know, there's been a talk this week about who has more pressure on them, Georgia or LSU. Some people said, well, Georgia doesn't have a lot of pressure because they know they're in the college football playoff. Even if LSU beats them 150 to nothing, they're still going to play for a national title. But, you know, Kirby Smart and that Georgia program, while he's taken them almost every year but one to the SEC title game, he's only got one victory, and that came in 2017 against Auburn. Um, they're also trying to go undefeated for the first time uh, for a full season, not COVID-related, since LSU. And last year they, they slipped up against Alabama in the SEC title game. So there is a lot of pressure. I, 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 and, and on top of that, winning the SEC is still a big deal. I know – they have national title hopes uh, out in front of them. But winning the SEC means something in Athens, Georgia, the same way it means something in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I think Georgia's going to be plenty motivated. I think LSU now, a silver lining, and I know people say that's a stretch, silver lining here is that they did not play their best. They were not focused last week. They got a chance to do it again. And as Coach Kelly told me yesterday, it's always, you know, first impression, last impression and he's told the team this week what do you want that impression to be the last impression as far as the sec is concerned do you want to be the team remembered in brian college station or do you want to be a team that came out fought for four quarters and possibly win the sec in the first year of a total rebuild hopefully that message resonates with the tigers coming up uh, in atlanta now, Chris, you know, we, we, we talked about it a lot. You win the SEC championship game, you're playing in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. You lose the SEC championship game, you're looking at maybe the Citrus Bowl, maybe a Cotton Bowl matchup with Tulane. But, you know, either way, pretty good first season for Brian Kelly and company. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, that's again, goes back to what I said a moment ago. I mean, there's plenty to play for for LSU. I mean... No disrespect to the Cotton Bowl or the Citrus Bowl, or I've even seen some crazy scenarios in the Las Vegas Bowl. But, uh, you know, when you play in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans and to start your season there in, in a tough fashion coming up short to Florida State and then finishing your season there in year number one in a total rebuild where last January you had just over 30 scholarship players and you had a former defensive back receiver playing quarterback in a bowl game, it is tremendous. And I asked Coach Kelly, by the way, yesterday what that means, what all of this big picture means for LSU, because they are way ahead of schedule, way more um, ahead than most people thought they had a chance to do here in 2022. And, and he talked about the impact that it's going to have long-term on this program. And, again, what they do on Saturday can certainly help grow that from a recruiting standpoint, from a transfer portal standpoint from an nil standpoint all of the things that we know in the modern day of college football builds championship programs and you know we all felt like coach kelly just with the hire alone a year ago was going to trend in the right direction but what he's been able to do what this team has been able to do has put lsu light years ahead of where many thought they would be wrapping up with the voice of the tigers chris blair Give me some keys to victory for the game, Chris. And you know what, what does LSU have to focus on the most in order to win this game? They got to stay on schedule offensively. I mean, that was the big issue last week. You know, first and second down just was not effective on the offensive end, and it set them up in in, in third and long situations. And and Texas A&M easily was able to rush four, put everybody back in coverage because they knew it was a passing down. 
again, that starts with the running game, and it won't be easy against Georgia, but they've got to be able to run enough to make it at least third and manageable, especially early in the contest. Defensively, they've got to find a way to get some pressure on Stetson Bennett. And, again, he's one of those quarterbacks that people think, well, he's not very athletic. Well, I've seen a couple of plays where he's been forced to run. He's got some speed on him. And so it's one of those where you want to try to keep him disrupted but keep him in the pocket and force him to win the game throwing the football. And if you can do that with some defensive pressure and just get him off his game, make him shift to the left, throw off his back foot, maybe throw it sooner than he wants to, um, and force them maybe to play the short passing game uh, to be successful. Because when they're able to throw downfield to Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and McConkie, uh, more times than not, and that's not a 50-50 ball, it's one-on-one. It's more like 70-30 because they're just that big, they're that athletic, and they're that good. So I think if you can just try to keep everything in front of you and force Georgia to work down the field – and don't allow McIntosh to have those big runs. Uh, LSU can be in this football game. Chris Blair, the voice of the Tigers, joining us here on Crunch Time the day before the SEC title game. Chris, really appreciate you taking the time. Safe travels to Atlanta. Have a great call, and hopefully y'all can bring back an SEC title. That's the plan. Thanks for having me on. I always enjoy it. And there he goes, the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair. If you need to grab some last-minute Christmas gifts, look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Right now, score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you Pop Gourmet Popcorn, who has more than 40 flavors of gourmet popcorn, Mudcat Whiskers, where you can get handcrafted beard grooming products, and Emmy's Ice Cream Bar, which offers up supreme ice cream. Get an additional 50% off this week only if you use the discount code DELTA50, that's D-E-L-T-A-5-0, to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. Don't delay because this offer ends tonight at midnight. Visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. We'll take a timeout and wrap up hour number one on the other side. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the SEC West champion, LSU Tigers. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One thing I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for, mon- for Sunday's game. I'll take the Dolphins' money line, the over on Tua Tungvaloa's passing yards, and then Debo Samuel anytime touchdown. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, deposit, and simple to find your bet. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings fast. There's no feeling of nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. New to FanDuel? Sign up today using promo code KLWB for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.52 right now, and even though the Cajuns will be playing in the Sun Belt Championship, let's look at it because it's going to be Troy and Coastal Carolina. That's going to be a good game. Uh, you know, Coastal uh, obviously nine and two on the year. Grayson McCall 
winning Sunbelt Player of the Year for the third straight season. Uh, he may not play tomorrow night. He, they're they're ruling him as a, as a game time decision. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they Troy 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 either way heavy favorites heavy favorites eight, eight point favorites right now seventy four percent chance of winning according to most matchup predictors uh, over under forty seven and a half. So look, coaching rumors and, and whatnot. Jamie Chadwell is one of the latest to be linked to a coaching move. Uh, it was announced last night by Pete Thamel that Liberty was zeroing in on Jamie Chadwell to be their next head coach. And according to Thamel, Chadwell had reached out to other jobs that he was in the running for and basically told them that he wasn't interested anymore. So from the looks of it, it's either he's staying at Coastal or he's going to Liberty. Now, obviously, your head coach being in the news for all of this is a distraction to the players. So, James, my question is this. If Coastal Carolina loses tomorrow in the Sunbelt Championship game, is is their excuse that Jamie Chadwell was distracted? I mean, it, it's, I mean, I guess it's better to play than to just cancel it, right? Like they did in 2020. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they if they pulled another fast one real quick. Oh, what? But hey. but it, but it, with this one, you can't make the excuse of we're, we'll cancel the game. Right. And what, what do you? How are you going to cancel the game? Oh no, we don't have a head coach. Right. Right. Our head coach is gone. Cancel the game. And that's basically what they did in 2020. One coach catches COVID. Oh, game's canceled. Like, mm, okay. We're 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 not going to hold grudges here. However. It is funny how that all worked out. Yeah. Interesting how you only lost, you only beat UL by three when the Cajuns were without nine starters and when they were playing their best football of the season. You waited until the Cajuns got to Myrtle Beach for the championship game and said, oh, guys, you're going to have to go back home. The game's canceled. Okay. I'm not saying you ran scared. However, no, I'm kidding. In in all seriousness, breaking news. This is big news. Christian Pulisic has been cleared to play for the United States yeah. tomorrow. So he is clean, good, ready to go. Uh, a baseball trade that, that came in earlier today. How about the Seattle Mariners acquiring second baseman Colton Wong from the Brewers in exchange for Jesse Winker and former Astro Abraham Toro? Uh, the Mariners will also receive about $1.75 million in cash. Interesting. We'll look, um, we'll look at their five names. Not a, not a bad deal. Shout out to your team five names. Look at that. Make, making moves. Ooh. Real quickly, the Pelicans... Playing tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. The Pelicans winning four of their last five, including a 19-point victory over the Spurs right before Thanksgiving. The Spurs on a five-game skid and as of late. And right now they're five or six and sixteen. Yeah. Not looking, not looking too good for them. Is, is, is Pop retiring after this year? I feel like we've had the Pop retirement talk for the last couple of years. Maybe it hasn't been that long. But, man, it feels like we've been talking about who's coming up next for Pop. I get it. He, he's no spring chicken anymore. But 
It feels like we've been talking about it for a while, and he just keeps coaching. He just keeps coming like my, back. My thing would be, you know, if, if your teams are still contending, like that's one thing. But obviously, the Spurs are entering a phase of rebuilding because you moved on from like, Kawhi, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Manu Ginobili have all right. been retired for a while. You also don't have Dejounte Murray, which it's not like with him you were a contender or in serious playoff contention anyway. But still, that was kind of like. The the one thing that was feels like that was really selling tickets. But I mean, now, your 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 points leader is Devin Vassell, who uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I've never heard of. Never heard of. Him. Apparently, he was a first round pick out of Florida State. Like I know about Jacob Podol. Yeah, Trey Jones, Romeo Langford. Like there's names on this team, but I don't know. There's just but they're not and, and they're not guys. And obviously, you got Dougie buckets. I mean, you got to love Doug McDermott, Dougie buckets. Oh, I remember Romeo oh, with the Celtics. But uh, our number one in the books, our number two. We're going to kick it off with Jake Crane and Jake's takes. And Kip Adams of Dog247 joins us at 530. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of a championship football Friday here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 706-0111 is the game hotline here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In our number one, James and I talked about the craziness that is the, the Drew Brees getting struck by lightning commercial. We also touched on the United States and the Netherlands tomorrow morning, and we sat down with the voice of the Fighting Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair. Let's kick off our number two. It's time for Jake's Takes with our guy, Jake Crane. Jake, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Gentlemen, it is Friday. Uh, still trying to come to terms with we're at championship week. The season always flies, but I wish it would go as slow as the WNBA season does sometimes. Ouch. Just Ouch. the truth. I mean, I, I don't disagree, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it's mind-blowing to think that we are already – here in the first weekend of December, but man, stacked games everywhere you look. Uh, let's start with the one tonight. You know, Utah, USC, the Utes have a, a one-point victory over the Trojans from earlier this year. USC playing great football. Caleb Williams probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, they are a three-point favorite inside the Death Star that is Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Who you got? You know, I, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, when you look at Utah, and, and you know, most of their losses, really in all of their losses in big games, Cam Rising has turned the ball over late, which is very, you know, un-Cameron Rising-like after what we saw him do last year coming in game two or game three. But I think he's going to have a chance to have the ball uh, late with a chance to win it. I just feel like USC has so much momentum right now. Caleb Williams and that offense is operating at such a high level. They're never out of a big play because of his ability to extend the play both inside the pocket and outside the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield. 
I think USC finds a way. Utah's a very physical team. They're going to fight. Uh, this is kind of a, a redemption game a little bit for USC, and it's hard to beat a good team twice. So uh, I like USC somewhere around, you know, 43 to 40, 47, 44-ish, something like that. Yeah, you know they're not going to play defense in this game. Um, yeah, defense is truly optional. So, but before we continue with the championship previews, I, I meant to ask you this right off the top. You know, we, we haven't really got to talk since the hire of Hugh Freeze was announced by Auburn. Did, do, do you feel like Auburn got their guy? Yeah, you know, Hugh Freeze, and I think I even came on here and said it, he was the guy that, that I was hoping would replace Brian once they let him go this year. Because, look, I mean, the market dictates who you get. It's not like you can go to some Christmas tree and just pick off any coach you want. Uh, and with everything that was out there, I think Hugh Freeze, and look, I know he has baggage, but the same people that trash Hugh Freeze about calling an escort in Tampa – give you know guys like Lane Kiffin a pass for 18 to 22 year old girls which absolutely blows my mind uh but no I I think he's he's a guy that's made mistakes I think that makes him less likely believe it or not to make that mistake again it's amazing when you've had something taken away but guys he's beat Nick Saban and Kirby Smart twice Mm -hmm. find me another coach that's done that he knows the lay of the land in the SEC he's already putting together a good staff starting with Carnell Williams keeping Zach Etheridge I think Matt Luke is a real possibility, uh, as well as Phil Longo, the North Carolina offensive coordinator. So um, I think it's a good hire. It's a, it's a very tough time to coach at Auburn with what Georgia and Alabama, and you look around the rest of the SEC, there's a lot of teams on the come up, but I think he's going to do a good job. I'm glad y'all are taking care of former Cajun Zach Etheridge. But, you know, another name getting thrown around is Deion Sanders. Man, where's he going? Looks like Colorado. And, look, I I think you talk about a PR campaign, you talk about fundraising, you talk about being in the headlines all over the country. The minute that Colorado hires him is the minute that Colorado's become relevant again. It's going to be cool to go to Colorado, uh, and not just because of the mountains. So uh, it's looking like the buffs right now. You know, to me, I thought he'd be a better fit in South Florida for obvious reasons because he's so familiar with the area down there. They're so familiar with him. But kids are going to flock to play with Prime, and those Affleck commercials just got a lot more interesting. Looking at tomorrow's slate of games, let's start with with the World Cup, USA and the Netherlands. USA sitting in the round of 16 for the third consecutive trip in their their World Cup history. Uh, What are your thoughts on this game? Can the USA get it done? House money. We're playing with house money. Now look, like I've said on our show, Every time I talk bad about us, we play well. So I will not talk good about us. No chance we win. No chance at all. The Netherlands is going to win. We might as well not even show up. Fair enough. All right, let's start with the Big 12 championship. Kansas State, TCU. Look, I, I, people, pe- people don't agree with me when I say this. I think TCU has done enough to where they're in regardless. I don't yeah, think the committee thinks that way, but I think that they've done enough. However, you know, we we agree that the committee would keep them out with a loss. They have to win here to to be in the playoff. Close game when they played in the regular season. What are your thoughts here? You know, I'm going to disagree with you. If they if USC loses, TCU's in regardless, I think. And I think there's a good chance that TCU will be in with a loss. Uh, I say I don't, I don't know if they're going to put Ohio State ahead of them. Uh, again, they're having to play an extra game. 
I mean, Ohio State didn't even win their own division. So I, I think there's a chance that TCU may be fine regardless. But if USC loses, you might as well pencil TCU in, into the three or four spot, depending on how it goes. I think this is going to be the best game out of all of them, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be high scoring. You know, the last time they played, Kansas State went to TCU, and Kendra Miller for TCU ran for about 160 yards. Will Howard, the quarterback now, played in that whole game, so he has experience against them. Just like I said about USC and Utah, it's hard to beat a good team twice. I have a feeling Kansas State's going to win this game, fellas. I actually don't disagree. I think the Wildcats are going to win this one as well. Um, it'll be a very close game. But but in the end, I, I think the I think Kansas State's going to do just enough with Deuce Vaughn at the running back position. Um, SEC championship, LSU and Georgia. LSU, nobody thought they would be here. Kind of like the United States playing with house money at this point. You know, this is a this is a matchup where Georgia's favored by seventeen and a half, but they've yeah. slipped up a couple times this year. Almost lost to Missouri. Almost lost to Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. This feels like a game to me, Jake, where if LSU plays well and can rattle Stetson Bennett early, it could be a game. Look, I mean, you can never count LSU out with, with the talent that they have. Here's the problem, though. Jaden Daniels is going to play, but he's playing on a hurt ankle. What makes Jaden Daniels dangerous is his running ability. Now, he's improved as a passer since he started utilizing the deep third of the field. I think we've all seen that. Brian Kelly even talked about that. But if he's not able to – it was already going to be hard to run against Georgia if you're 90%, which there's no such thing as 100% anymore. You're, you, you get done being 100% 10 minutes after you're born. So uh, if he's not able to run, I find it hard to believe he can throw LSU to a win against Georgia's secondary. I do, however, think that LSU's defense, the secondary, has really outperformed what I thought they were going to do in every game except Tennessee, and when Tennessee, that was when Tennessee – was absolutely rolling with Hendon Hooker in the gang. I do think Georgia wins, but I think LSU covers. Tulane, UCF. Mm. Rematch. Um, you know, look, when, when you look at Tulane, you've got a veteran quarterback, you've got veteran guys at different spots, and you know what you're going to get from UCF. Gus Malzahn is running the same stuff that he ran at Auburn. There's not going to be any surprises when it comes down to what UCF is going to run. My biggest thing is, can Tulane stop John Reese Plumley when he does run? Because it's truly 11-on-11 football when the quarterback runs and the running back blocks. I think they make the adjustment. I think the momentum they got from Willie Fitz returning and not going to Georgia Tech uh, has been a huge shot in the arm to that program. And they're embarrassed after what happened against UCF last time. I mean, they, they were on national TV. They had the spotlight, and uh, they didn't play very well. I like Tulane in this game. Yeah, roll wave, absolutely. Uh, how badly does Michigan beat Purdue? Well, look, I just think they're going to smush them. I mean, I don't know another way to put it. When you look at Michigan's offensive line and Michigan's defensive line, I mean, Purdue hadn't been able to run. They couldn't run the ball in an inter-squad scrimmage, let alone against somebody else. I don't, I don't see – Aiden O'Connell's going to have to throw it 45 times. And by doing that, you're going to throw a couple interceptions. I think Purdue may scare them a little bit early, but Michigan's going to do what they've done all year. They're just going to lean on you and smush you. That's just what they do. And then lastly, Clemson and North Carolina. Man, the, the battle of the letdowns at the end of the season here. You know, part of me wants to pick North Carolina, but when you look at the way they've played offensively these past two games, and you know how porous their defense has been the whole year, even though the last couple games they have been better, but it's not like you've been playing against the Globetrotters on offense in Georgia Tech and NC State without Devin Leary. 
I think Clemson wins, but I like North Carolina to cover the seven and a half. All right, Jake, I've got five NFL games for you to look at. Steelers and Falcons. Ew, gross. Um, the Steelers, again, I love the three-headed monster for the future of Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and Najee Harris. I just don't think they've figured it out yet. The Falcons have been a, a good surprise. Unless you wanted them to tank, then they're absolutely blowing it. Marcus Mariota in that run game has been very lethal. The Steelers, we know how hard they play on defense. We know the personnel they have with T.J. Watt back. I think this game's tight, but I like the Falcons at home. Jets-Vikings, do we see more Mike White magic? Man, while you're talking about riding with the fear, I'm surprised we didn't see him hanging out with Zach Wilson's mom this week. But, uh, you know, when you look at this game, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to recreate that offensively. Garrett Wilson freaked out. He's a hell of a player. It's about time he's come on and we've been able to really see it. Him and Christian Watson are kind of blossoming at the same time. But, I, look, I, I, know, I know the Vikings, everybody hates Kirk Cousins. I get it. Okay, I totally get it. But they're 8-3. and three. I think they're going to be 9-3 and three after this weekend. Titans and Eagles. Man, how, much, how many times is the ball going to be running this game? Look, the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, I just don't believe. I mean, I, you know, I know Ted Lasso says believe. Well, I don't believe when it comes down to Ryan Tannehill. I think he's just absolute mid to a T. Uh, it's Derrick Henry and nobody else and everybody that's in Philadelphia is going to be trying to tackle Derrick Henry. Jalen Hurts in that offense, what Nick Sirianni's been able to do, utilizing the up-tempo with the quarterback run game but being smart as well. We've watched Jalen blossom as a passer a little bit this year. I like the Eagles at home because the Titans just can't score. Dolphins and Niners. Mm, heck of a game. Tua, who still needs to learn how to be tackled, it still blows my mind to watch him get tackled. He's still not figured it out yet. The Dolphins are lethal on offense. The 49ers, man, Jimmy G, it's just, you know, they're like, a, they're like a brand new Bentley, but the engine doesn't work very good. It doesn't make any sense when you look at the pieces they have. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, even though, you know, I do like the Niners' defense with Bosa. And I think Warner at the middle line, I think he's the best defensive player in football. I don't care what anybody says, Fred Warner, when you watch him play. I like the Eagles, or excuse me, I like the Niners to squeak out a win. Yes, that's a Dolphin pun. The Tony Romo Classic, Chiefs and the Bengals. God, man, Joey Beavers, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's it's going to be beautiful. Jamar Chase, I think, is going to play. I like the over in this game. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball, though, against that Bengals defense. Travis Kelsey is an absolute matchup nightmare. It's It's straight out of the conjuring if you're a defensive player. Give me the Chiefs. And lastly, Monday night, Saints and Bucks. Man, the Saints just continue to piss me off. I can't imagine how you guys feel. <laughs> I don't think the Saints can score. The Bucks can't score, but the Saints sure as hell can't score. So let me the Bucks win two to nothing. Two to nothing. Oh man. If that happens, I'm having you back on the show Tuesday afternoon. Oh, look, we'll do it. Sign me up. Oh man. Jake Crane joining us for Jake's takes. Jake, appreciate you as always, bud. Have a great football weekend and uh, we'll talk next week. You guys as well. Enjoy the weekend. And there he goes, Jake Crane. God, you know, it's always good talking to him because you know that the weekend is just ever so close. It's oh, oh, so close. Two nothing. Two nothing. I swear, if if that happens, I'm, I'm asking him to become a fortune teller and just tell the story of the rest of my life because no one sees that coming. Your Alexa or Google Home speaker can help you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Do the smart thing 
Aha. And have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. See what we did there? Do the smart thing with your smart speakers. <laughs> ba da cha. Take a time out. James and I will make our picks next right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, man. All right, let's make our picks, James. Let's start with the Pac-12 title game tonight. Utah, USC. Who you got? I'm going with the Trojans. Oh! Right, right in the hot hand with Caleb Williams. Plus, it, it'd be tough to me for the Utes to get a second win over USC on the year. He's riding on the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. <laughs> Shocker. Ooh. Give me Utah. Wow. I think Cam Rising has a big game tonight. And uh, Utah wins it again and just wrecks some havoc on the college football playoff. I'm I'm a man of chaos, and I'm here for it. TCU, Kansas State. I'm going to go with Kansas State on this one. This is where I think the chaos starts to come into place. Because even though you and Jake believe that whether TCU wins or loses, they'll still be in for the playoff, but to me this creates a lot of controversy until we get the next playoff ranking. Could you imagine... If USC and TCU both lose. Oh, dude. And they put Ohio State and Alabama in the playoff? Utter chaos. Holy moly. Could, uh, Georgia-Alabama semifinal. Because Bama would be the four seed. So you would have a Georgia-Bama semifinal. And then what if Alabama wins? Oh! <laughs> the playoff committee would be livid. Here for it. All about it. Georgia LSU. 17 and a half points. 17 That's and a half. ludicrous. That's crazy. That's ludicrous. Put the mortgage on LSU in the points. Put your kids' chol- college, college Co- fund. Take the college fund. Put it on. That's that easy money. I'm not saying LSU is going to win. I don't think that they will. Do I think they can? Yes. I like how the over-under is 52 on this one. I think that this is a winnable game. I don't even think... I'm not even too confident that the two even combined for 40. Oh, no. They're, they're going to put points th- on the board. You think they put up points? They're gonna I think this one's going to be a really low-scoring affair. Both teams are scoring over 30 a game. Uh, they're going to put points on the board. Mm. I see like a third... I, I, I would take the over, actually. You're taking the over? Yeah. You, you think... You think this will be like a 30... I could see a 38-35 kind of game. Oh, my God. Or or a 31-24 or you know, something like that. See, and I lean the complete opposite way. I think LSU, they're going to have to play kind of like a position battle game. They're going to have to slow down the two tight ends and slow down the run game, force Sets and Bennett to have to make plays. And I, Brock Bowers is a man-child. I think... To me, I think this could be like a this would be like a twenty three thirteen twenty six sixteen game. Like I, I think if they get to forty, it's barely like maybe forty two. We'll see. It'll be a good game. 
How about the American in Uptown New Orleans, UCF Tulane? It's a four-point spread in favor of the Wave. Can they get revenge on UCF? I think, I think they do. Spot in the Cotton Bowl on the line. I I think that the Wave can do it. I think they can too, and I think they will. I think this this has been a really special season for Tulane so far, and I think they keep going. They they came out flat the first time they played UCF, dug into a big hole, and still almost came all the way back and won. I, I think I think they take down UCF this time around. Uh, Purdue, Michigan. Now look, obviously, very tragic thing that happened with Aiden O'Connell's brother getting killed or dying. Either way, uh, still incredibly tragic. So I understand, you know, that that Purdue might have a little something extra to play for tomorrow night. Chip on the shoulder for sure. However, it's Michigan. And they won't have Corum. I understand they won't have Blake Corum, and that's big. However, I still lean towards... I'm, I'm saying however a lot today. I still lean towards the Wolverines. You've got a running back, a backup to- running back by the name of Donovan Edwards, who has 687 yards on the season. I think you lean on him, and J.J. McCarthy can run a little bit, and I... 16 and a half is a tricky spread to work with for this one. Correct. I would take the points. I would take Purdue with the points. I don't think it's a 16 and a half point game. Yeah, I, I think you. I think if they're really able to, I think they could cut it to within one, but definitely taking Michigan for sure. Yeah, Michigan's going to win the game, no, no doubt, no doubt about it. Uh, and then the ACC championship game, Clemson, North Carolina. I... I want to say North Carolina because I don't like Clemson. But you're still going to go with the Tigers? I have to. I have to. See, and it and it feels like Clemson, they I don't know. Something just feels off with them. I I, see I like them. I like Ugalele. I like I like him as a quarterback. You ready for this? Here's where I'm going with this. Okay. He comes out, has a bad first half. And then they they, they go bench to the him at halftime. They go to Cade Klubnik. Mm-hmm. Klubnik carries them to the win. DJU transfers out. Klubnik's the guy next year. Ooh. Write that down. Klubnik's the guy next year. Write that down right now. Okay. It's a good thing we're recording it. It is a good thing we're recording I'm it. I'm going to go with the Tar Heels. I want a little more Ooh, chaos. He's going Drake May. I like Drake May. I really do. He's almost got 4,000 yards on the year. Tossed 35 tutties so he, far. He's actually going to go over 4,000 yards tomorrow night. Uh, oh, yeah, unless there's just a freak injury or something happening. And he's a freshman. Keep that in mind. Dude's wild. Um, now, I'm rooting for the Tar Heels. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to see Mac-, Mac Brown hit the gritty. <laughs> but... I don't know. Because I, 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 think... I feel like I feel like there's going to be two upsets in these, at least two upsets in all these conference games. Two, like three, and to me, those are the two big ones. Because I, because like... I still, I would still take Troy over Coastal Carolina easy. I take Jackson State over. Oh, easy s- over Southern. I mean, props to Southern for the year that they've had, but Jackson State's going to run them over like a train. Um. All right, NFL, Jets, Vikes. Vikings. Oh, you're not going with the Mike White magic. I told you. I said I think oh. Mike White's he's still gonna have the one good game. Wowzers. But I told you after he had it this week, I very easily see him kind of going back to what happened before. 
Okay. Because, like, like I told you, I said, I think this will be like a two or three week thing with Mike White, and then they're going to go back to Zach Wilson. Yeah, that'll go over real well. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings as well. Now, the next game, th- this is so, it, it's wild that we're even having this conversation. The Giants are 7 and 4. Mm-hmm. The Commanders are 7 and 5. It's been very weird. <laughs> what world are we living in? The Commanders are favored. To win the game. Taylor Heineke, baby. Talk to me. He, he's, <laughs> he's, he's getting some blue and red Air Jordans after this one. I'm going with, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Giants. <clears throat> I, th- I, I know that they've been on kind of a downslope since, and I know that the commanders are riding high. Wrong answer. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Giants. I'm going to go a little bit of a limb here. All right, Deshaun Watson, how well does he play in his in a, his season debut? Oh, it's either he lights it up like he did in 2020 or he just absolutely stinks up the joint. I mean, there there's going to be no in-between with that game. I'm leaning towards he has a rough – well, it's against the Texans, though. Mm. It's it's going to be a revenge game. I think, they, I think he has a bad performance. I don't think he plays the greatest as a lot of people would anticipate, but I still believe – that the Browns are too talented to lose this game. Titans and Eagles. Who fly Eagles fly or tighten up? It's a good question. Oof. <laughs> I go I go towards Eagles. Yeah, I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna say the Eagles on a close one. Like you saw that Sunday night game, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. The they, Eagles, they're they're so good. They they didn't soar. They didn't throw the ball. They were on the ground. They're so good. They were acting like ostriches. They just couldn't fly. They just were like, well, let's just keep it on the ground. Why not? Dolphins-Niners. This is going to be such a good game. And I am I also noticed recently, Debo's questionable in this game. Interesting. And no more Elijah Mitchell because, you know, the the poor man's MCL just, you know. He just he can't, just can't stay, handle anymore. Can't stay unsprained. They, they must have had an argument. I don't know what happened. They're not. They're not in certain agreements right now. I'm yeah, going with the Dolphins. I'm going with Miami. Yep, I agree. Chiefs, Bengals. <sighs> Chiefs, Bengals. Man, that's such a good one. I, it's such a. It's going to be game. such a good game. It's going to be <sighs> such a good game. Jamar's supposed to be back. It's in Cincy. It's in Cincy. It's a rematch of the AFC title game last year. However, if you saw that statistic from last time. Chiefs, they've only lost, like, what, two games in the last three years between November and December? Yeah, they're, they're pretty good at this time of year. But that one, I think one of those games was against Cincy. Probably. Give I'm me taking, Cincy. I'm taking Burrow. <laughs> Give me Cincy. Burrow magic, baby. Why not? You finally get oh, Jamar back. Saints and Bucks Monday night. Bucks. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I told you, I'm not picking the Saints for the rest of the year. I don't I care am, if they go I, like on a four game win streak. I am going to have three nights of nightmares leading up to this game. I'll one, I'll one up Jake Crane and say it's 3 0. Oh, 3 0. Ryan suck up from like 58 yards in. Overtime as time expires. Another another conference championship game tomorrow that I forgot about. Let's look at the MAC. Toledo, Ohio. Toledo's a three point favorite. However, Ohio nine and three on the year, seven and one in the MAC. Can the Bobcats get it done over the air rated Rockets? 
I'm taking the Bobcats because I hear they've got a pretty good play-by-play guy. I'll just, I'll just go as this as the other upset. I'll take Toledo. Oh, it's not really an upset though. They're favored. Oh uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, they're. I forgot they were minus three. Bobcats are the home underdog. Yeah, I'm. I'm going Ohio. I'm. I misread how the sports. They've got it. They've got a. They've got a Rourke brother quarterback. Um, they they've got a great radio crew. I just I'm I'm feeling the Bobcats lifting a MAC championship trophy, so give me give me the Bobcats and shout out to my guy Russ Eisenstein. We'll take a timeout here when we return. Kip Adams of Dogs Two Four Seven Sports joins us to preview the SEC championship game one final time. This time from the Bulldogs' perspective. Here on the game, one three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the SEC West champion LSU Tigers. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One final preview before the SEC title game tomorrow at 3 o'clock, which you can hear right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. This time, we'll hear it from the Georgia perspective with Kip Adams of Dogs 247 Sports. Kip, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. I mean, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a big deal when it's the night before the SC Championship. I'm celebrating my eighth anniversary with my wife, and we're here to talk some football. She knows she knows what uh, you know what's important in, in this house and, and in the southeast. So I'm here to talk about it. It's, it's the calm before the storm. I mean, I I can't believe it's already here and. Yeah, we're just ready to see what happens. It's a pretty intriguing matchup. Yeah, it's a very intriguing matchup. And and first of all, let me offer my congratulations to you and your wife on on the anniversary. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, it's it's always kind of a big deal. We have a, a Southeastern Conference household. She uh, swam in Auburn. It's it's always a big deal. Uh, you know, whenever the SC Championship weekend is here, and you know, we we've seen some pretty good games. I think. This one has a chance to be, you know, sneaky good. I know a lot of these uh, conference championships this weekend kind of look like they could be, some, you know, blowouts. I know Georgia's favored by a lot, but you know, there, there, there are some situations here where this this game could get a little messy and, and a lot closer than people think. All right, so let, let's look at it. You know, twelve and zero on the year. Georgia's got wins over Oregon and Florida and Tennessee and Kentucky. And, you know, they, they've done it in pretty convincing fashion, scoring 38 points per game, only giving up 11. You know, just kind of talk about this season as a whole up until this point, being led by a quarterback that even now people still don't 100% believe in. It, it ha- Definitely the storybook uh, career continues for Stetson Bennett, a guy that ultimately, you know, you have his name called in the NFL draft next year. And has an outside chance to, to earn an invite to New York. If, if he, you know, plays well this weekend and puts on a show, we'll see how many Heisman voters haven't already cast their ballots in. You know, we have a pretty good idea who's the leader in the clubhouse, you know, to, to take the, the award, but just getting an invite would just be an incredible addition to his story. But, you know, I think for Georgia, you look at that margin of victory. Last year it was 26.9 points. Uh, very impressive. One of the better marks in recent years. And this year so far, 26.4. And you just kind of you look at that defense. Everyone talks about the, 
There's 15 players taken in the draft. The record, obviously, that's a big deal for Kirby Smart and his program. But this defense, I mean, last year they allowed technically 9.9 points per game because uh, the, the NCAA counts a, a pick six uh, against the, the defense as far as that scoring defense is concerned. But they're allowing 11.2 points per game this year. And if you put that, that was last year's defense, it would, you know, other than Georgia, it would still be number one in the country last year. So I think they're they're still playing at a high level. Uh, it looks like they've played some closer games this year. The numbers kind of tell you that uh, when they really need to get up for a big opponent, they do that. And I think, you know, that's kind of what we're looking to see is, you know, if you know you're already in the college football playoffs, how important is the SEC championship to this team? Now, you know, look, looking at the, the skill players around Stetson Bennett, we'll start with Kenny McIntosh at running back, you know, Pretty solid year, 650 yards, eight touchdowns. He's averaging 5.3 yards a carry. He's had some big games down the backstretch of this season. And then, of course, you know you, you can't talk about skill players at Georgia without talking about Brock Bowers. Yeah, definitely a big time player. Uh, should be the reigning, you know, Mackey Award winner. Kind of got the the freshman, you know, the the snub there, I guess. For, for not being a, you know, a final-year player. I think this year Notre Dame's tight end Michael Mayer's probably the guy, the leader in the clubhouse, even though Brock Bowers is a finalist. But just a guy that, yeah, looks already looks the part of a, a first-round draft pick and definitely uh, is a guy that opposing defenses have to bracket. You can't just put – you can't go single coverage on a guy like that because he's just really explosive. And, and he might not even be, you know, the best overall tight end on the roster when you have a – Six, seven and a half, 280 pound tight end in Darnell Washington, who again is out there blocking like an elite offensive tackle, but is a guy who can, you know, go down the field and, and win a 50 50 battle just because it doesn't matter if you have a guy on him. Uh, you're not going to have a guy to match that catch radius that he has. But yeah, uh, definitely Stetson's got some guys he can get the ball to. I think Lab McConkey's probably the guy you're really watching in a game like this because even though Georgia doesn't push the ball downfield, you're looking to see. Does LSU play zone, or are they able to play main in this game? I think if, you know, the fact that if Bernard Converse is healthy and available, then maybe LSU's out there playing a little bit of man and forcing Stetson Bennett to make some throws that might be some 50-50 balls. So if they're out there in zone, I think Lad McConkey's a guy that can probably beat them on a double move or two and get some creases in that offense and that defense and make some plays down the field. Talk about in the trenches for, for this matchup. You know, Georgia's offensive line against that stout front four for the Tigers. I mean, what, what do you like in that matchup? Yeah, I, I, both lines of scrimmage are just so intriguing in this game. And I know in the SEC, that's just, that's always going to be a big storyline. That's, that's how programs are built in this conference. And I, I think it's just, it's really intriguing right now because you look at LSU's front, you got, you know, you got Jacqueline Roy out there, BJ Ojolari. And Makai Wingo playing outstanding football. You know, Ali Gay as well. Uh, those guys can give Georgia's offensive front some, some issues, even though uh, this, uh, this offensive line is playing a lot better in the run game the last couple of weeks and it's one of the top two, three pass-blocking units in the country. I, I think for LSU, it's, it, it's after those four where, where it becomes an issue. You know, if Georgia's maintaining drives and able to convert on a couple third downs, and LSU has to substitute uh, further on drives. I think Georgia might be able to lean on them a little bit and, and really get into that run game 
which has been more productive the last couple of weeks because I think Georgia's kind of changed that philosophy. Uh, they've they've maintained that, you know what, we're going to run the ball down people's throats and lead on them in the third and fourth quarter because they haven't had A.D. Mitchell on the field because teams are starting to, to, you know, to look and say we don't have anyone, they don't have anyone who could stretch the field. So, so Georgia's like, you know what, we're just going to run the ball down their throats and, and lean on them a little bit. So I think that's, LSU has a chance in the first half. I think they have to make sure they get off the field early on downs because I think Georgia's offensive line, Broderick Jones, a, a future first-round pick, Warren McClendon, a guy that will go in the draft, and then Cedric Van Pran, a, a center who could be the one of the top two or three centers taken in the draft. Obviously, a, a well-known name in Louisiana, uh, you know, being a standout from the, the Bayou State a couple of years ago. But I think this is one of the top two, three offensive lines in college football. So if you're LSU, you don't want to keep them on the field very long. Chat with Kip Adams of Dogs 247. Looking at this defense, even more impressive than than the Bulldogs' offense. I mean, Jalen Carter, Malachi Starks, Chris Smith, Keeley Ringo in the secondary. Everybody remembers him from, from the pick six against Alabama in the championship game last year. Walk us through this defense and, uh, you know, how you think they can maybe slow down the rushing attack that LSU brings. It's amazing how recruiting works, and I think uh, you see uh, that was, you know, Kirby Smart's uh, one of the things he was known for when he came to Georgia. Questions, you know, how good of a head coach he would be. Your margin for error increases exponentially when you just load up on recruiting classes and you're able to to stack that defense the way that he has done. I, I think if you look at this defense right now, it, it the one issue it's it's been apparent all years that they don't back the quarterback they do affect them a little bit because they're able to play man in that back end that secondary they ask a lot of these guys they put them on islands and when you see plays made down the field they kind of stand out because for the most part they're able to man up on their guys and they're able to hold hold the fort down for three and four seconds and allow their defensive front to, to get home and affect the quarterback so for for lsu i think again they're playing with house money in this game uh, this was supposed to be Alabama playing this game, or, or Texas a or Ole Miss, or even Arkansas. If you go back to media days, LSU was picked fifth. So this is a team that should come out, play with their hair on fire, and, and test this defense. You cannot just go dink and dunk down the field and, and expect you know Georgia to, to fall asleep. You're going to have to take some chances you normally wouldn't take, throw analytics out the window, catch these guys off guard and see if Georgia showed up expecting their SEC championship ranks to be presented at halftime. And I think that that's where you have a chance to kind of exploit things because uh, if Georgia can't get home, if they're not able to wrestle Jaden Daniels down, who is a very slippery player, uh, then LSU could, could make things messy. And I think that's Georgia's top concern, obviously, him being able to play in this game. Does Georgia have guys who can get pressure on him? They're going to have to get some exotic looks. They're going to have to move Michael Williams around at different positions. And they're probably going to have to blitz with the star position with guys like Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard. They've had some success in those areas, like I said, because the rest of their secondary can, can play man and handle single coverage most of the time. Kip, who wins and why? I think this game's going to overall go pretty much – set the chalk here. I think that, again, Georgia hasn't allowed five yards to carry at all this year. Oregon came the closest at 4.9. They haven't allowed uh, 140 rushing yards all year. Again, Oregon came the closest and, and, and 
Georgia boat race them out of the you know Mercedes Benz to start the season. This is one of those uh, matchups where Kirby Smart has told them no one's won an SC championship in this room that actually played in the game. Stetson Bennett, Robert Beal, they were red shooting the last time Georgia won an SC championship game. I think Georgia does come up with this game. I think they're able to to get ahead early by by running the football. And I'm not sure A.D. Mitchell will be a big factor. I think Georgia plays it conservatively, but I think they also are able to, to get up ahead early, which is key in this game, and go ahead and use time of possession to their advantage and get out of there early. I got Georgia winning it. It's it's basically a push in my mind. I think 34-17 is the final score. I do, I do think that, again, Jaden Daniels is going to make some plays with his legs. I think Josh Williams being back is huge because he's, you know, he's obviously been a standout in, in the run game as well. If Jaden Daniels can stay healthy, I, I think LSU can kind of hang in there at halftime. I do think Georgia pulls away in the second half. Kip Adams of Dogs Two Four Seven Sports joining us. It's a de facto home game for for the Bulldogs tomorrow in the ATL. Kip, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk to you again, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. And there he goes, Kip Adams. If you were looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you can score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. We wrap up the week next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up here on a football, a championship football Friday edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, it doesn't look like Justin Verlander's returning to the Astros, which is kind of sad. It sucks, but I mean, we kind of anticipated that. Also, other Astros news, Jason Castro has announced his retirement from baseball. Um, Props to Casty. Appreciate everything that, that he did while in an Astros uniform. You know... Aaron, Aaron Judge still doesn't have a, a team. Interesting to see what will happen there with winter meetings starting on Monday. Come to a team that actually wins. Uh-oh. Oh. Jose Abreu, Aaron Judge, Jordan, Pena, Altuve, Tucker, Bregman. It's like all in one order. Yikes. Imagine that. That would be brutal. Who, who can afford that? However, James, James Click did say that they would go into the luxury tax if they needed to. So, you know, if, if, I guess if you have to. Hey, man, if, it, if the opportunity comes around. Not James Click. Jim's, Jim Crane, I'm sorry. James Click is the GM that got fired. Um, Jim Crane said that they would go into the luxury tax if necessary. So, hey. Let's spend some money. Let's bring let's bring Aaron Judge in and go win another World Series. Oh, Lord. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Chris Blair, 
Jake Crane, and Kip Adams. The SEC Championship game is tomorrow. Kickoff is at 3 o'clock. Pre-game is at 1. You can catch it all right here on the game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have a hell of a weekend, and we'll recap it all here on Monday. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're sticking with James Mesh in the Prep Report pregame show up next.